this uh, study in the fact that uh, uh, four weeks ago we um, dealt with the issue of doctrine and gave some principles of how to come up with doctrine in Scripture. What are some guidelines that we go by to establish doctrine? And one of the key things is that we take the totality of the Scripture uh, on the subject, that we don't just pull a verse here and a verse there. And so when, when there is a, a doctrine that we question uh, or that we're confused on, maybe others have disagreed with us on, it's important for us not to just brush that aside and say, well, that's just something that I just can't learn or that's something that uh, we're just going to have to disagree on. There's only one truth. Uh, God gave it. And, uh, and it ought to, when we have times like that, it ought to drive us and motivate us to pour ourselves into Scripture to find an answer for it. Um, when we talk about Scripture, we call, we call it what God's revelation to us. Uh, the things that He reveals, the things that He has given us so that our eyes can be opened and that we can know these things. And God wants us to know these things as much as we desire to know them. And on something as important as this topic of repentance and how it relates to salvation, don't you think that God would be absolutely clear on the issue? Because if a man is going to be saved, you don't want to muddy the waters with how it, how it happens. It's got to be clear. And, and I would say this, that if there are uh, multiple Christians uh, that differ on this, on this doctrine, it ought to drive us to further study Scripture. Not just to say, well, this is my position and I'm not going to be swayed from it. Or I'm not going to discuss it with you. Those are the wrong, those are the wrong kinds of attitudes to have. Uh, we need to come to Scripture. And we need to be solid on it. We need to know it. And uh, if we've not already done so, if we've not taken the time. So I would say this, uh, it's important when you study a doctrine that there, that's like this, where there, there are good people, people that I do believe are saved, that uh, maybe differ on uh, their, their understanding of this doctrine. I think it's very, very important that uh, we go back to the Scriptures and quit relying on uh, what we've heard taught in pulpits, because I'll tell you this, uh, a pastor is fallible. A preacher of the gospel is fallible. We try to preach the gospel as best we can. We try to be right on the, on the issues. But the truth is, our, our minds uh, are, are tainted by the old flesh nature. And we lose sometimes the sense of the scripture or understanding of it. It's not our intent. Our desire is to be right. Uh, but it ought to be very, very important to us that we come back to the pages of this book. And when I say that, I say when, especially if there's a doctrine like this that is so vitally important to the eternity of man's soul, that we go through and we study all of what the Bible says on it. Don't just take a passage here and a passage there and make it fit what you believe. Come to the Scriptures and say, what does the Bible say on the topic? And so I, I've got a list here tonight. I'm not going to go through all of them because of the sake of time tonight, but I'm going to give you as many as we can get through. Uh, I have here the pages of every reference to the word repent or the word repentance in the New Testament. Uh, and I, I, I've done the same with the Old Testament. I don't have those with me tonight because the vast majority of those are not dealing with the issue of salvation. Uh, they are dealing with the issues of uh, Israel, some of the leaders of Israel, Christ himself or God himself and his dealings with man. And so the vast majority of those references are, are not applicable to the issue of salvation. Uh, a few of them are, uh, but not all of them. 
And uh, so very important that we uh, take some time to read through them. I will say this, I have read all of them from the beginning of Genesis through the end of Revelation. And I've looked at every single reference that I could find in Scripture that deals with uh, repentance or repent. And uh, I'll be frank with you, when I, when I first was putting some things together, I had what I believed about the situation and the, and the object. Uh, but I, I, I laid it aside. And I said, I'm not going to try to make Scripture fit what I believe. Uh, I came to it and I said, Lord, I just want to know what the Bible says about it. And, and we, I want to urge you. I want to urge you to do this. Uh, and it may cause you to stand on a doctrine alone or with a very few number of people when the vast majority of other folks may be teaching or preaching something else. And do not use the majority consensus of a doctrine to be your establishment of authority on that doctrine. You don't, you're not swayed uh, with what man teaches on the subject. We are swayed by what the Bible says on it. And so uh, try to hold to these things as much as you can as we come to Scripture. Let's start in Acts chapter 17. And uh, these are some of the messages that we have uh, recorded, some of the teachings of the early church, the, the first century church, if you will. Uh, Paul, of course, uh, oftentimes there's parts of his messages or even entireties of some of his messages that he preached. Uh, that we have in Scripture or that he taught uh, on a particular thing. And uh, in Acts, we find several of these. We find some of the things that Stephen uh, preached when he preached. We find some of the things that Peter preached when he preached. And uh, I'll tell you, if, if there's ever a, a place to go back to and want to know what the New Testament doctrine is on the, on the topic, you can't get much more uh, pure than that first century church, that first level of apostle leadership in the church on matters. And uh, so let's look in uh, Acts chapter 17, and uh, <clears throat> let's start, I'm going to start, we're going to read a good portion of this. Let's start in verse 16, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, we'll uh, read down through uh, uh, probably around verse number 30 or so. Uh, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. That, by the way, that's always a good thing, isn't it? When God will stir the spirit inside of us. Some of us need to pray for him to do that sometimes. There's times I get stale and stagnant and tired, and sometimes I just need to say, Lord, stir me up. Get, get something going in my life and help me with this. And while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And by the way, uh, our eyes will always affect our hearts. It, it just is the way God has made us. If we're willing to work, walk circumspectly and to look around and to see the need of the gospel in this world that we live in, It'll affect your heart, and it'll help stir you. Uh, so his heart stirred, his spirit was stirred in him, and when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and uh, with devout persons in the market daily uh, with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say? So he's going against the grain here. He's teaching and preaching things that the religious leaders of the day were not teaching. And they were criticizing him. They were even calling him a babbler here. Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. I'm going to just pause there for a minute. 
you start looking around at some of these Word of Faith churches around today, and they thrive on finding some new thing that's not in Scripture that they claim God wants His people to know, and they teach it. Can I tell you, we need to just get back to the old truth and what's established here. Once we master this, then God may may, uh, see fit to take us on home so we can know some other things. But it's going to take us a lifetime to try to master what God's already given to us. We don't need new things. We need to just learn the things that are already there. And notice he says in verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord." Now notice this, this is what he has done for every man in every part of the world. He's done this that they should what? Verse 27, that they should what? Seek the Lord. Now that's what God wants men to do. Keep that in mind. If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. Now this is what they were doing, and this is not what God wanted. They were following idols. What was God's desire, verse 27, that they should what? Seek the Lord, right? They weren't doing this. They were following Idols. He's preaching to a group of people on Mars Hill that have so many idols that in case they missed one that was important, they even made an idol to the one that was unknown. Paul said, listen, this is what God wants. God wants you to seek after Him. And you've not done it. You've followed after your, your idols. Now notice what he says, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance, what ignorance? The ignorance of knowing what God's will for men was, which was to seek Him. This is what they were ignorant of. Alright? Within the context of the passage, this is what they were ignorant of. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. Repent of their sin? No. Repent of their unbelief. Repent of the fact that they were following idols and were not following God. Very, very important that we understand the this idea of repentance. Uh, now, as we go uh, on through, we're going to look at several passages here, but I want to move next to Acts chapter 20. And again, these are, these are messages being preached by apostles. These are messages being preached by leaders in the early church on the topic of repentance. And when they, their usage of it, I think, is vitally important to us today to understand this. Let's look in Acts chapter number 20, if you will. And I'm going to do this a little bit out of order because uh, we're going to go back and look at all the words that have repent and then all the words that have repentance. 
And I'm going to throw one in here that has repentance before going through all the ones that have repent. But uh, we're going to use it just a little bit out of order. Acts chapter number 20, and let's look in verse number, uh, let's go down to verse number 21, I guess. We'll start there. Uh, do we want to do that? Yeah, let's, let's start in verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears, temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I have showed you, pub, uh, showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. And am I, I'm, in, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. <laughs> I was in Acts 20. I was like, that's not right. I apologize. I turned to the wrong place. Acts 26 and verse 20. Are you all there? Were you all looking at the Bible saying, where is he at? Or did I give it to you backwards? I said Acts 20, 26, didn't I? I must be dyslexic today. 20 verse 21. Is that what I did? What did I do? No, you're right. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. That was me. I, I did take some medicine before church, so we'll blame it on that. All right. So, and he says, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have, sh- uh, I'm sorry. Right, we're going to get to 21, right? 2021. 20, Acts 2021. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. I'm at Acts 20 and verse 21 right now, because that's where I was reading at. I just didn't go far enough. Okay? So he just said, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, and have showed you, and have taught you publicly and from house to house. So, verse 21 is the one I wanted you to see. Testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks. Notice this. Repentance what? Towards God. What was the repentance? The repentance was a turning from rejecting God and not having faith in Him and not believing Him to a repentance and a turning toward Him. Alright? So again, I think the wording of this is very critical in helping us understand what repentance is. Now let's go to Acts 26 because that's the next one on the list. And I apologize for the mix-up there. My dad used to say, Greg, you think you're always right about things. And I said, Dad, I'm not always right about everything. There was one time I was wrong, and that was the time I thought I was wrong, and I was actually right. So I, just, I do make mistakes, so I apologize for that. But we are going to Acts 26. And um, let's go again to, um, uh, let's go to verse 19. So uh, Paul is, is standing before uh, King Agrippa. He's giving his testimony how he got saved. And uh, talks to him about uh, um, the gospel message. And he says in verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at, of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and what? Here it is again. Turn to God. Now he says, and, so there's a second thing that's done here. And do works meet for repentance. Notice the order in which he does this. The repentance takes place first. That's the turning to God. That's putting our faith and our trust in Him. And then once that's done, and now we need to do some works that are suitable, that are meet towards that repentance. Now we do works not to get saved, but because we are saved. Very important. Even Paul's message bears this out. Let's look in Romans chapter 2 for a moment. Romans chapter number 2. 
And then I'm going to go back to Matthew, and we'll just work our way through in order, okay, after this one. Romans chapter number 2, and let's look in verse number 4. Uh, we'll start in verse 1, read now. Uh, thou, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. So, chapter 2, verse 1. Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, which judgest them, which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Now let's look at verse 4 very carefully. What were they repenting of? Look at the question he asked him at the very beginning of verse 4. Or what? Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance? This is what they were doing. And the message is, repent from that. Do not be despising God. Don't, don't, don't be rejecting Him. Don't be pushing Him off. But it says, not knowing the goodness of God, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's, it is His long-suffering, His grace to us, that causes us to realize that we shouldn't be despising Him. We should be repenting and turning to Him. Again, repentance dealing here not with forsaking our sin. It cannot and must not be that. Uh, two weeks ago, we dealt with what repentance was not. Uh, if you didn't listen to last Wednesday night's message, it was on what repentance is. And now we're giving you all of the Scripture that I could find in, in, in the Bible on the topic, and you'll see that all of this will support what we've taught last week about what repentance is. So let's, uh, we'll go ahead and go now to Matthew, and this will be a lot easier for us. Um, because we're just going to go in order. And you can just go uh, page after page, all right? We'll get through as many of them as we can tonight. And then I don't have copies of this tonight. Um, you can actually download it yourself on your own computer. But if you'd like to have them, I will make copies this week and have them available on Sunday. It's just a list of all of the verses that I can find in the New Testament on this. And you're welcome to uh, all of those. Uh, of course, most of you already have them. They're just in your Bibles. Uh, it's just easier to find them sometimes when they're in, a, in an ordered format. All right. Matthew chapter 2. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3. And uh, verse number 1. Again, John the Baptist now is preaching here. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying. Now, who did John the Baptist come to? Who is he preaching to here primarily? He's preaching to the Jews. Did the Jews accept or reject the Lord Jesus Christ when he came on the scene? Rejected him. They're expecting him to come in glory and as a king and as a deliverer. <coughs> he didn't come that way. And notice what he says here in saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He knew that Christ was coming on the scene. And he needed them to get out of their mindset that this was not the Messiah and start trusting the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. John's repentance was not a repentance uh, of forsaking sin. It was a repentance of trusting that Christ was the one that was coming to save the, the souls of men. It was turning to Christ. Look in Matthew chapter number 4 and uh, verse number uh, 17. Jesus is now preaching. He does the same thing. Um, in fact, let's, uh, let's start in verse 12 so we can see a little bit of the context of this passage. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison... And he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zabulon and Nephilim, 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, so there's a prophecy he's fulfilling here. The land of Zebulun and the land of Nathalem, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in what? Darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region, the shadow of death, light is sprung up. In other words, they're sitting in darkness. Light's on the scene here. It's here. And Jesus begins to preach in verse 17. He says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's he saying? He's saying, Repent from the darkness you're in and turn to the light. Quit rejecting Christ and turn to the Savior. And again, we see that throughout Scripture, even, even in his early ministry, uh, even before Calvary, this repentance is not dealing with a works-based repentance. It is dealing with a turning from uh, a rejection of Christ to a trusting in Christ. Let's look in the book of Mark, chapter number 1. Mark, chapter number 1. And we've got a pretty good amount of time. We may get through most of these tonight. Mark chapter number 1. We'll look in verse number uh, 14. This is one of Mark's accounts of this. Now after um, John was put in prison, uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. They're repenting from unbelief, and he says, repent and believe the gospel. This is what I'm asking you to turn from and what I'm asking you to turn to. It's the changing of the, the mind, the changing of the heart in the issue. And he tells them to repent and believe the gospel. Uh, look in Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. And uh, let's look in um, verse number 7. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and put on two coats, and, and not put on two coats, excuse me. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust from under, under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable in, for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that, ever, that men should, what? Repent. Look at what Christ said in verses 10 to 11. What's the attitude of the people they're going to? He says, In what place soever you enter into the house, thereby to you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust around your feet. So these are people who are rejecting the gospel message. And when they preach, they tell the people, Repent. Repent of what? Am I sin? No. Repent of your unbelief. And turn to Christ. The message that they were teaching was what they were asking people to turn to. Uh, let's look in Luke chapter number 13. And, and folks, we can do this all night and go through Scripture. It may not take all night to go through Scripture. But you're not going to find one verse of Scripture. And I promise you, I've gone through them. 
I could not find one verse of Scripture that used this terminology in Scripture that intended for it to be a repentance from our sin in order to be saved. Not one. But I have found in every case, and without exception, that it is always to turn from their unbelief to trusting Him. And we could shorten the message and just say that and go home, but I'd like you to see it in Scripture, not just take my word at it. All right, Luke chapter number 13. Luke chapter 13. Verse number 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. So they were mixing blood that was sacrificed to idols uh, and they were partaking of this thing with their sacrifices. And it says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Repent of what? Their idol worship, their idolatry, their rejection of God. Uh, again, to turn to Christ and not to, not to tolerate uh, these uh, things that Pilate was doing of adding the sacrifices to idols to their sacrifices. And very important that we understand this. Uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter number 16 and verse number... uh, Let's go to verse number... uh, 27. Now, this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And when he was told that Lazarus could not come to him, he says this in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now, what caused the rich man to come into this place of torment when Lazarus was not in that place of torment? What caused the difference here? Faith. Lazarus had faith. He trusted Christ. He, he trusted what God had said, His promise of this, of the Redeemer that was coming. The rich man had rejected it. He lived his life the way he wanted to. He lived in the wealth of the world. And so he was in hell because he had rejected Christ. Now notice in verse 58 and 28, For I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So he's worried that his brothers are in the same boat he was in. And they are on their way to hell. He knows this. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will what? Repent. Repent of what? They were rejecting the law and the prophets. They did not believe that there was coming a Savior. You know, the Bible teaches that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Isn't that an amazing thing? We don't have indication of it in the Old Testament what exactly was preached. But apparently there was enough of the gospel that was preached in the Old Testament. That is, it was passed down from each person. We finally get to the book of Hebrews and find the end result of it. In that all of the Old Testament saints were saved by faith. The righteousness that was imputed to Abraham was not because 
of his keeping the law or his works. It was because of his faith. These Old Testament saints, that, that gospel message was passed down from generation to generation. It's found in the prophets. You can find the story of the gospel in all of the Old Testament books. Everywhere you look, it's in there. They had the message of the gospel. It may not have been preached as, as rampantly as we do in the New Testament, or as, as much as we do in the New Testament, but it was known. And those that were saved in the Old Testament were saved by faith. We come to this portion of Scripture. Here's a man who is in hell because he rejected Christ. He rejected Moses and the prophets when they talked about Christ coming. If you say, well, I don't know if, if, if the Bible talks about uh, Christ coming as a Savior. We, we just spend the time going through the Old Testament survey, and in every lesson, every lesson, we said, here's how Christ is pictured. Not, not God Himself, but Christ, the Savior of man. Here's how he is pictured in this book. Here's how they've given information about him in this book. Look at Isaiah 53. Read through Isaiah 53 and tell me that Christ is not pictured there clearly. For people to hear and to know that there's coming a Messiah that's going to redeem them from their, not their bondage of slavery, from their enemies, but from their sin. They knew the gospel. They knew the gospel. Very important that they needed to repent from their disbelief. All right, let's look in uh, Luke chapter 17. We're going to read down just a few more. Uh, we'll start in verse number 1. Then said he unto his disciple, unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Now, this one is not dealing with salvation, is it? Okay, so we would say this one is not applicable to the doctrine that we're studying. But I want you to realize we're looking at every word that, that every time that repentance is used or repent is used in Scripture, don't skip over them. Take time to look at them, look at the context. And so I've written here on my sheet as I printed it all out and I wrote notes on each one of them. I put on here, doesn't relate to salvation. So I can move past this Scripture. I don't have to say, well, how can that fit into salvation? We're not talking about the issue of salvation. We're talking about me repenting of an attitude that I have toward a brother that's offended me. That's a whole different kind of repentance, isn't it? Okay. So you'll come across some of those, and I want you to notice those. We're going to look at one more of those. Uh, uh, actually, well, verse number 4 is the same one. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn against thee to say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And again, we see that word being used in a non-salvation-related usage. All right? So, just so you know that I've looked at every one of these, okay? Um, we're, not, we're not skipping around on them. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter number 2. And by the way, isn't it interesting that John, one of the great Gospels that we tell people to read for the purpose of salvation, do you know that John does not use the word repent or repentance in it? Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't teach the idea of it, but he teaches it in the idea of turning from disbelief in Christ to belief in Christ and putting their trust in Him. 
John 3.16 is a great, great illustration of this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever what? Believeth in Him. Did He say, forsake your sin? No. He said, believeth in Him. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. John, of all the Gospels that we look at and say, that is a salvation book that we use oftentimes to share the Gospel message with people, does not even use the word forgiveness, or uh, repentance, excuse me, or repent. And I've said it earlier in the study, repent of your sin. Uh, probably, if we understand the repentance, it's, it's probably not wrong in and of itself. Uh, we're changing how we look at things, and the sin that we would be talking about there would be the sin of unbelief. But it is a very difficult phrase to use without teaching what we're teaching here to get somebody to understand it. And I'll tell you, if you're trying to lead somebody to Christ, they're not going to sit and listen to all of this so that they can understand that one phrase we use. So is it a wise phrase to use in leading someone to Christ? Probably not. Probably not. Once we understand it, uh, it's not offensive to us, but we understand what we're talking about when we say those things. And I think that's kind of important for us to understand. Uh, There's a lot of things out there. In fact, the tracts we just printed and had printed uh, had that phrase at the very end of it, and we're getting those reprinted because I think that's a very, uh, again, it, it can be technically true if you understand what repentance is according to the Bible. But it's very, very difficult and very confusing to get somebody to understand that without taking time to give them a full Bible study on the issue. Uh, so we're going to be getting those uh, changed and, and uh, worded better so they're a little clearer. Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll look through a few more of these. Uh, Acts chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3. Did I say Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3 and uh, verse number 19? Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19. We're going to just read one verse, and, and again, you can take time to read the context of these. I, I've, we're not taking them out of context, so I'll, I'll let you know that, but you can read it for yourself for the same time. Um, Peter says this, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now, I want you to understand, in the first phrase, Repent ye therefore, is dealing with the present, right now. Then I want you to notice the second phrase. That your sins, what? May be blotted out. That's future. In other words, having repented and turned to Christ by faith, that's my conversion. My sins are now blotted out. It doesn't tell me that I have to get rid of my sins in order to be converted. It tells me that I have to be converted so my sins may be blotted out. Very, very important that we understand this. Uh, look at um, Acts chapter number... I'm sorry, Second Corinthians... Oh, well, I've got a lot of these that are not applicable, so I'm going to skip over those. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 22 is dealing with the Christian. Second Corinthians 7, 8 is not applicable because it's used in the wrong sense. Hebrews 7, 21, not applicable. Uh, Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse number 5 is written to Christians. Revelation 2.16 is not applicable. Revelation 2.21 is to Christians. Revelation 2.22 is to Christians. Revelation 3.3 is to Christians. And Revelation 3.19 is to Christians. So all of those uses of the word repent don't, don't apply to salvation. Um, 
Matthew, again, for going back to the idea of repentance and using the longer form of that word and the application of that word. Matthew chapter 3, I'll give you several of these and then we'll be done because there's not as many of these. Matthew chapter 3, let's look in verse number 8. We'll start in verse number 7, I'm sorry. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. The, the fruits, the good works, are something that are suitable to the repentance that has already taken place. And so once we are saved, once we have repented of our unbelief and turned to Christ in faith, then we do works. And again, because we're saved, not in order to get saved. Uh, so he tells them that they should uh, bring forth fruits that are meat for repentance. And uh, let's go to Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? but sinners to repentance. He doesn't tell us here that we have to be righteous first. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners to repentance, to turn from their disbelief and trust Christ. Uh, let's look then at, um, we'll move quickly through this. Mark 1, 4 is to the Jews. Luke chapter 3 and verse number 3 is to the Jews. Uh, let's turn to um, Luke chapter, uh, let's see, trying to find some good ones here. Let's go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. This one will be applicable. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 31. Uh, we'll start in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So they're standing here giving uh, a rebuke to people who told them not to preach anymore. And they, they start preaching right away, which is good. So he says, uh, we're going to obey God rather than men. Then they start off in preaching. He says, For the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hang on, hung, hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted uh, with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and... Forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin followed the repentance. Okay, let's look in. Um, oh, let's see here. I got a couple more, and then we'll be done. Got a lot of them later on that are not applicable because they're dealing with Christians. Um, okay, Acts chapter 19 is a good one. Acts chapter 19, and let's look in verse number 4. Acts chapter 19 and verse 4. Then said Paul, uh, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on Him. Now that's the repentance. The repentance is, believe on Him. If you're repenting and you're saying, believe on Him, then you're saying the repentance was not believing on Him and now believing on Him. 
So this is what John's teaching. He, he baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, which is on Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so again, we see uh, that this repentance was dealing with uh, a, an unbelief turning to him and believing on him. Um, we've already done Acts chapter 20, verse 21. Acts chapter 26 and verse 20 we've already done. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 we've done. Romans 11:29 is not applicable. Again, it's out of context of salvation. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 is not applicable because it's out of the context of salvation. Um, okay, uh, let's go with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This will be a good one, and we'll probably end with this one. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, let's look and uh, we'll go down to verse, oh, let's see here. Let's start in uh, verse 8. I used this verse early on in the study or this passage, but again, it's a good verse to look to. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I have perceived that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. So this is... <clears throat> this is Paul saying, I repented because uh, I wrote you this letter and it made you sorry, but I really don't repent because look at what he says in verse 9. Now I rejoice. He said, I was going to repent, but I'm not going to repent now. He says, now I rejoice that you were made sorry. Uh, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed, notice this, to repentance. You sorrowed for rep to Repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive uh, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. They sorrowed over their sinful condition. They were brought to a place of realizing they had been rejecting Christ, and it sorrowed their hearts. And that sorrow, that godly sorrow, was used to work repentance in their heart to get them to what? Turn to God. To put their belief in Him. To trust Him for their salvation. He says in verse 10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. They turn to Christ. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And so again, we find it uh, very clearly shown in that Scripture. Um, there's other ones I could give you that are not applicable for, for the most part. Um, but uh, let's look at uh, Philippians chapter number 2 for a minute because it kind of goes hand in hand with 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And then uh, I think we'll be done. Philippians chapter 2. <coughs> so in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, he says, For godly, godly sorrow worketh repentance... Uh, to salvation. Um, actually, you know what? Uh, let's change that. Let's go to a different place here. Um, let's go to Hebrews 12. Sorry, I had the wrong connection there. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse... Let's go to verse number... Uh, 
Uh, let's go to uh, verse number 13, and we'll read down a few verses. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. What do we mean by failing of the grace of God? Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And again, just a changing from his disbelief uh, to his belief in the Lord. And uh, that one might have been a, trying to think through, that one might have been a non-associated one. I apologize for that. All right. Anyway, I'll make these available to you. That was all the verses that I have uh, on it. Um, I have marked almost all of them through. Some of them not applicable uh, because they don't deal with salvation. But as far as I know, then, we have covered pretty much every verse in the New Testament, uh, without exception, that has dealt with the issue of salvation and repentance. So I'll make these available. Uh, I'll have copies for you on Sunday if you'd like to get those. Um, But I hope that we can understand this at this point and see clearly that uh, throughout the New Testament, every time it's dealing with the issue of salvation, it is not dealing with us repenting in the sense of forsaking our sin or cleaning our lives up first and getting our sin dealt with first. God will clean us up later. That's called sanctification. Um, When we turn to Christ, we are turning from our rejection of Him, our disbelief of Him. And uh, that's very, very important for us to understand. Um, I think it's been very clear throughout uh, my study, at least. Uh, I had held to this position prior to studying this for this, this series. And, but I will say this. It has absolutely just solidified it so strongly in my heart uh, by studying it and looking at it the way that we have and going through the totality of the Scriptures on it. Uh, that there would not be any possibility, I think, at this point, of anybody showing me anything uh, with regards to the Scriptures that I've looked at uh, that would cause me to change my mind. If they find a Scripture that I miss somewhere that changes me, then I'll let you know that, and I'll come back and teach that one, all right? But as far as I know, I have looked at every single usage in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testament, and, folks, this is just where it it has led, okay? So I hope that will be a help to you. and next time somebody tries to teach this or say something to you about it, uh, you'll, you'll be firm in your belief and understanding of it. You might even be able to be a help to them in the, in the issue as well. All right, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word and how it does guide and direct us. I pray that you would bless it and use it. And, uh, Father, that you would uh, help us to have full understanding of the doctrine. And, uh, Lord, I've done